Hello, beautiful people. It's me, Joey B, with the Plant Passion Podcast. Today, we've got a really awesome episode that I'm super excited to share with all of you guys. It's about my internship experience that I was on this past summer, um, which took place from around May until the very beginning of August. I was working with a team at I Prefer, which is an acronym that stands for Integrated Pennycrest Research Enabling Farm and Energy Resilience. Now, the entire point of this project is to work on a plant named Pennycress, Field Pennycress, which the botanical name is Thalaspe arvensi, and this is a well, more commonly known to most folks as a weed in most areas, but it grows throughout the Midwest and all across the world, actually. But the greater purposes, and there's a lot more benefits that come from this plant, which we'll be talking about. So, initially, I went down with the expectation that I would be um, sort of, you know, doing lab work and, uh, you know, spending a lot of time in the lab. I didn't know what type of experiment I would be doing or what sorts of stuff I would be able to see or learn. Um, so there was kind of a bit of excitement there just because you didn't know what well, really what to expect. And I don't know. I mean, there's something exciting about going somewhere, going somewhere new with new people and uh, just sort of having new experiences. So, um, it was a fantastic summer. I got to work with my mentors named uh, Dr. Fippin, as well as Tad Wesley. And they are amazing people. I learned so very much from them. And, well, yeah, let's get right into it. So, um, the common field pennycress, as it's called, uh, like I was uh, beginning to describe, basically grows... Um, in fields and on along roadsides throughout the Midwest and mainly and we are looking at domesticating this more weedy species so what we mean by domesticating is obviously we want to be able to make something out of it we want to be able to grow it and grow consistently with good yields and actually generate some products from this plant now what's important to understand about pennycress is that this plant is one of the very first of its kind and it's sort of paving a new way for the ways that we can sort of help farmers to contribute to both the ecosystems and the ecosystem services, as well as make money while doing it. So how is this accomplished? Well, Pennycress is fascinating because it is known as one of the very first cash cover crops. So most people, I would say, generally have heard a little bit about cover crops, maybe just generally, but it's very important for us to make sure that we understand what we're talking about with the cover crops. So a cover crop is a plant that normally grows on, well, you would actually plant it during the winter months where none of your crops would be growing. So typically, especially in the Corn Belt and throughout the Midwest, a lot of the 
farmers in the region typically go with a corn and soybean crop rotation system. So that means that one summer you're planting corn and you harvest up all the corn at the end of the season. Uh, the soil stays bare until the time to plant in the next season, right before summer, and then you would plant soybeans where the corn used to be. What makes that rotation so special is that soybeans are a part of the legume family, which actually are nitrogen fixers in the soil, so their roots actually contribute nitrogen into the soil, and that corn, maybe that a lot of us would know, really, really enjoys nitrogen and will, you know, suck up all the nitrogen and then the soybeans put it right back in, which is great. And it saves the farmers from having to use so many fertilizers and other sorts of, and cropping rotations also help to mitigate the possibility of pathogens or pests in the soil of a particular variety of corn like you would get a potential where you'd be potentially worried about that if you were in a monocropping system where you had just corn every single year all the time and that would be a really good way to make sure that you would have a lot of problems with pests and uh, things that farmers don't want we want it to be easy right so with this in mind that's a normal cropping system but what cover crops do is Basically, between the corn, right before the winter comes, so late September, late to, well, basically any time in September, um, you would be planting your cover crop, uh, specifically in this case we're talking about pennycress, like I mentioned. So you'd be planting your pennycress in the fields in, in September, right before winter time, and the plant will form what's known as a rosette, and it will vernalize all winter long, and that means that the roots are alive, but none of the above ground stuff is alive. So, what's really amazing about that is a lot of people in the past with other cover crops like rye or um, even clover will plant them. It costs actually a lot of money to get the seeds themselves and then to actually plant the seeds. It's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. And with normal cover crops, you don't generate any products except for the ecosystem services, which are really important. And obviously, farmers want to contribute as best they can to the ecosystem. However, when there's no products that are being generated and no money going into the farmer's pocket, well, it's a lot more difficult to convince farmers that they should be caring about these crops whatsoever even though they do offer tremendous ecosystem benefits, like I've been saying. So these are things, ecosystem benefits are things like improved soil health, um, reduced erosion, as well as the ability to attract pollinators, which are all very important. And it offers a wide variety of things that are really good, but they're just not really tangible and don't amount to actual dollars that the uh, farmers would be needing. So, enter pennycress as the first cash cover crop, and it's amazing to sort of understand that this normal, um, you know, attempt to benefit the ecosystem through cover crops can still be achieved, but researchers like Dr. Fippen and Tad were able to sort of 
determine a plant that would offer those same ecosystem benefits as well as generate products for the farmers that are growing them so that they could actually get paid, which is really, really, I mean, frontier type of research. And it's super amazing, especially because the two products that are generated from Pennycress are sustainable aviation fuel in the form of biofuel which we'll get into later, as well as a, another product of animal feed for th things such as chickens, possibly even cows and pigs in the future. And the farmers then actually can harvest their seed, send it on, um, you know, through the supply chain, and the farmer will actually be able to get paid for growing this amazing cash cover crop. So that's just very, very tip of the iceberg when it comes to the Pennycrest story. Uh, it is su super fascinating, and I was able to learn a whole lot about it this summer. One of the most intriguing and mind-blowing parts of what researchers have been able to do so far is the native form of Pennycrest, which is a good plant in and of itself. It's part of the Brassicaceae family, which makes it um, like a mustard. And it also interestingly shares nearly 80 to 90% of its genome with Arabidopsis. For all the plant nerds that know what Arabidopsis is, that is a really good thing because for those of us who don't, well, Arabidopsis is sort of the plant world's equivalent to E. coli, is the best way I could describe it. Arabidopsis is a plant that has been fully mapped genetically. We know just about everything that goes on in that plant and what the genes do, what uh, pathways the plant is you know, using to express which genes, and so on. So it's very, very helpful that this pennycrest is so closely related to Arabidopsis. Now, just because a plant is very similar does not mean that, you know, just because you can do something to Arabidopsis that you can do it to Pennycrest as well. However, it did help scientists when they this research was initially beginning to sort of get at least a idea of what they were looking at when it comes to the potential of this crop. So what was really fascinating early on uh, researchers were able to discover that the native Pennycrest varieties are good in many ways and have a lot of good traits. However, a, the biggest problem at first was the black seed coat of the native Pennycrest varieties. The black seed coat made the Pennycrest seed largely unusable for things like animal feed, and it also kept the plant within the sort of more weedy and uh, potential for causing, you know, contamination in future years when planted on a farm because the black seed coat was able to survive in the soil if, you know, a year went by or two years went by and then the plants would be able to grow back again. So obviously when you're talking about a plant that's going to be going in between two other actual crops like corn or soybeans, you wouldn't want pennycrest to be mixed in with all of that. So researchers had to figure out a way around this problem. They edited the black seed coat 
so that it was actually golden. Now, the golden seed coat variety of pennycress can be known as covercress. In covercress, this is a bit confusing, but covercress is both a plant varieties of pennycress as well as a company that is in charge of taking pennycress to the worldwide scale. So this golden seeded variety researchers have really improved the plant's ability to not become a persistent weed in future years because due to the uh, golden seed coat, the seed is not able to survive in the soil for long periods of time after being planted initially. Additionally, there are a lot of further and a bit more scientific benefits of the golden seeded and covercress varieties versus the native pennycress varieties as well. But I think maybe we don't need to get into all of that in too great of detail, but it's sort of just the idea that the golden seed is the good end product that will be used for the biofuel as well as the feedstock. And the black native variety is more of the what we used to have, the weedy and more persistent version of the commercialized cover crop. So for my research this past summer, I was able to work on a multi-state variety trial of elite pennycress lines. So I looked at 10 varieties throughout three years of different pennycress varieties and sort of looked at some or some variables such as plant height, plant width, uh, rosette size, and height to first pod as explanatory variables for the response variables such as yield in pounds per acre. I looked at oil yield in gallons per acre, uh, oil constituents such as oleic acid, linoleic acid, and urusic acid, which are very important to all types of food products as well as fuel products in a variety of ways. And a sort of general note about oil constituents is that for biofuel purposes, we would want long chain fatty acids such as urusic acid. So we would want higher levels of urusic acid. Whereas for animal feed, you would be looking to make those varieties of pennycress as low or short chain fatty acids such as oleic and linoleic acid as these oils help the seed meal to taste better for the animals quite an experience being able to actually go out to the fields and harvest all of the pennycrests while uh, I was working in Illinois this summer, but we traveled from two locations in Illinois to uh, we went to Minnesota as well. We also had plots in Ohio and Missouri for the annual conference at the end of the internship and as well as Wisconsin for harvesting some plots as well. So we get to travel all around the Midwest area and 
got to see and meet a ton of really amazing people and it was just a fantastic experience overall. I, I will be able to post some of those videos that I took of different processing and handlings while I was at the internship this summer and I will hopefully be uploading those to YouTube relatively soon. For, for anyone who didn't know what Pennycrest was, I hope that you are at least somewhat intrigued by now and I will be able to attach all of the relevant links. I can put a uh, link to my poster of my research that I did this past summer and um, I will post all of those down in the show notes. So yeah, it's uh, it's great to be back and I will see you guys next time.